Welcome to the Raising Christian Kids podcast. Your host, Leanne Mancini, is extremely passionate about helping children to have a strong foundation in Jesus. You will be equipped with methods and techniques to help solidify a relationship between your child and Jesus. So let's dig deep and raise strong Christian kids. Welcome back to the show, Natasha. I'm glad to have you on again. And I am enjoying your newest book, Faithfully Different. And we talked about it in the last session. Could you tell us more about the book and what can parents do to help them through the day-to-day struggle of living in an ever-increasing evil secular society? And how can they help their children? That's a loaded question, I know. (laughs) I'll try my my best to hit all of those. So Faithfully Different ultimately is about how Christians can regain biblical clarity in a secular culture. It's the difference between a biblical worldview and a secular worldview. And I wrote it because I have seen so many times where Christians are letting secular ideas creep into their biblical worldview. And as Christians, we end up living more as an extension of the secular culture than as a distinct light to it. So that's really the purpose of this book. It's a call to action and encouragement for Christians in this culture. And I I start the book with some important uh, landscape painting, I guess I would say, to explain that we are actually a shrinking worldview minority. So if you just look at basic raw statistics on religious trends in America, you'll see that 65% of people today call themselves Christians. That sounds like a lot. And yet a lot of us would look around and say, gosh, it doesn't seem like almost two thirds of people are Christians. But that's because we have to understand when we're talking about 65%, that's how people identify themselves. That's the label that they give themselves. But it could mean just about anything. It just is that somebody says, well, okay, I'm a Christian. When given a list of options, atheist, agnostic, Mormon, Jewish, et cetera, they say Christian. Maybe they just grew up in a Christian home. Maybe they think Jesus is a good moral teacher, all kinds of things behind that. What's far more interesting is to look at the research around what people actually believe and how they live out their lives. And in other words, who has a biblical worldview? And so researchers at Arizona Christian University's Cultural Research Center have conducted what they call this worldview inventory, where instead of just asking the single question of what do you call yourself, they're looking at dozens of questions that look at what people believe in terms of core truths that are taught in the Bible and then how they live accordingly. And based on this research, what they have found is that 6% of Americans have a functioning biblical worldview. So there's a huge difference there between the 65% and the 6%, this huge gap. And between 18 to 29, that's about 2%. So our kids, this is so important for parents to understand. I mean, a lot of people don't like to hear about the data, but you have to hear the data to know the situation that we're in. And our kids are growing up into this generation, into this 18 to 29-year-old group in which 98% of people don't have a biblical worldview. We have to think about that as parents. That's going to shape what we do. That necessarily shapes the nature of our discipleship, what we are doing to disciple our kids. It has to. If it doesn't, then we are just blind to what they're setting foot into. They have to be prepared. This is a preparation phase. And so we, we really have to help them with that. And I think that understanding the biblical worldview is the first major pillar of that, understanding this is what the Bible teaches and in a deep way, not just, you know, Bible stories each night and, you know, here are the basic things that you get in the children's Bible, but really reading the Bible with our kids 
and so that they understand accurately and deeply what the Bible teaches. That's the first thing to gain clarity within the secular culture. But the second part of it, like we talked about in the last episode, was understanding secularism. What is this thing we're surrounded by? It's one thing to understand, okay, well, you know, we're in this little tiny minority, but what are we surrounded by that's putting the pressure on us? And that is a secular worldview. And without going into tons of detail on that, because that's what I spend the rest of the book fleshing out, that boils down to the fact that the majority of people around us, their authority for what's true about reality, for what's right or wrong or good or bad, their authority in all things is the self. It's them. And that is so fundamentally different than for us as Christians. Our authority is God because we believe he is the creator and sustainer of the universe. And we believe that he has told us what's true about many things of reality in the Bible, that that is the word of God. We don't have everything we'd like to know in the Bible, but we do have this core knowledge base in the Bible. That's our authority. So when we have a biblical worldview and we hold to that, that's going to be so different than when people around us are looking to themselves as the authority. And the four key concepts I keep coming back to in the book to explain what secularism is, is feelings are the ultimate guide. Happiness is the ultimate goal. Judging is the ultimate sin. And God is the ultimate guess. In other words, no one can confidently know anything about this supernatural being who may or may not be out there. So we're all on our own to figure out what's true about the world. I don't think it takes an hour more to help people understand why that's going to lead you in such a different path in life than if you truly stick to a biblical worldview. So that's what I hope to show in Faithfully Different is just how how vastly different those are and how the pressures from secularism ultimately are forcing some of those ideas into our views, whether we realize it or not, when it comes to social justice or virtue signaling, cancel culture, progressive Christianity, there are so many of these issues. And that's what I work through in the rest of the book. Oh, it's just so heartbreaking because a lot of Christian parents were not properly trained in Christianity. And a lot of parents, they don't know the Bible well enough to teach their kids for their kids to teach their grandkids. And this is why we find the situation we're in today. You have to adhere to Deuteronomy chapter six, when you rise up, when you walk along the path, when you lie down organically, day by day, moment by moment, teach your children the things of Christ and live what you believe. So your children can see this. So you want to have a strong, solid foundation, good soil, planting seeds into rich soil, building that strong foundation to be able to have children learn after that what's true, what's not true, what's right. What is the right way to live? What makes sense? You're, you're so right about the ages. I, that's the, one of the biggest mistakes that I see parents making is that they think, that these types of topics, that if you open up my books and you look at them, they haven't been equipped with that understanding. They're not hearing about it in church. They're not in the same circles their kids are going to be on online and social media and things like that. So they don't realize these are important questions. And they're like, whoa, this looks like is really advanced stuff for like, you know, high school and above. And there's nothing more depressing to me than that. I Occasionally, I get one of those types of reviews on my books. And it's, you know, and they'll say, I just expected, you know, talking to kids about Jesus, like I expected conversations to have with my elementary age kids. And this title's misleading because, you know, these are conversations for college age kids. This is like a textbook. And it's just, it makes me want to weep because what they're expecting, their expectations are the problem here. Their expectations are what kids are getting in church. 
you know, they're thinking I'm going to give them more information about how to talk about Joseph and the multicolored coat. And, you know, how do I talk with my kids about these Old Testament accounts? Not that those are unimportant. Of course not. They have to know the whole Bible, but there's so much more in order to prepare kids for today's world. Those aren't conversations that should be happening when kids are 18. These are conversations that you start having when your kids are very young. And I know you can because I've had them with my own kids. And you develop that understanding over time. So it's, it's so important that parents don't think, oh, well, these are advanced conversations. Absolutely not. No, they're not. They're they simply not. aren't. Yeah. And, you know, it's parents- just that in church, we're not rising up to where we need to be. Absolutely. And so we have the wrong expectations. If we just look at Sunday school curriculum and think, well, this is what kids should be learning at this age. No, it's the Sunday school curricula that are the problem. Even if we don't Absolutely. have, even if you don't have kids, whosoever kids you're around, you know, or in church, those people are going to be making those decisions in the future. For me, for you, for everyone. And we need more Christians and media, the government, but we can't get them in there if we don't raise them to have that strong faith and, and have the answers they need to believe why they believe what they believe and to be able to face the culture that they're growing up in, which is vastly different from when I grew up, vastly different. So in chapter seven of Faithfully Different, you titled one chapter, Reclaiming What Rightfully Belongs to the Biblical Worldview. You talk about how in Rome at 200, in 200 AD, students studied the scriptures in depth, just what we were talking about, right? What we need. What do you think we need to do to help equip our children? As they did so long ago, how can we change what's going on? What are steps we can take as society, as parents, as church? Yeah, in, in, in that chapter that you're referring to, that, that they estimate, historians estimate that people were spending at least 144 hours getting equipped before baptism. Can you imagine if that were required today? People would just, you know, they would think this is crazy. They're out, right? They've got a barbecue to get to, whatever it is. But the Christians at the time realized how different than the world around them they were. They were on the front end of the curve of Christianity, right? We're kind of on the, the downside where people are moving away from Christianity. Well, they realized they were going to have to go out into a world where they were very equipped with an understanding of their faith. And so I, I think that's just such an interesting parallel because I wish we could get families to sit down and do 144 hours a day. Imagine, imagine what the next generation would look like if we had that. But that just means that we have to take our discipleship seriously. We can't rely on the church. It's got to be us. We are the primary disciplers in our home. And I, I kind of spoke to, I guess, across both of these episodes, some of the answers to that question. But just to condense it down, I really do think it's four things. Number one, it is making sure your kids understand deeply what the Bible teaches. And by that, I mean, you're reading the Bible with your kids, all parts of it, not just selected accounts that you hear in Sunday school, but they deeply understand the Bible and talk about the parts that skeptics find pro problematic. Talk about the difficult parts, because if they don't hear those, then they leave home and then they hear these from skeptics and they're like, I didn't know that was in the Bible. So talk about every aspect of the Bible so that kids understand deeply and accurately what it teaches. The second thing is why you should believe it. So this is the apologetics of making a case for. A lot of times parents who get interested in apologetics, they skip this because they go straight to the defense. They say, yes, I'm going to teach my kids how to defend their faith. And that's really important. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. But you have to also understand why there's good reason to believe it's true in the first place. If you start just trying to defend something out of the gate, but yet your kids aren't really rock solid yet on, well, do I have good reason to believe I'm defending something that's true? 
well, you're, you're not getting them much further than they were. You, know, you can defend just about anything. What you want to know that you are so convicted in the truth of Christianity that is worth defending. So this is a critical key first step is why there's good reason to believe that it's true. So making a case for the truth of Christianity. The third thing is what others believe. And we talked a little bit about that um, before and understanding the worldviews that surround you, understanding different religions and understanding the general secular worldview around you. And here's a major benefit of that too. And we've already talked about some of this, but I just want to add that sometimes parents look at all the challenges to Christianity and they think about, well, I'm going to teach my kids how to defend against these. And they think, wow, this is really overwhelming. I mean, you know, this person says this, and then you're going to hear a skeptic say this, and this, it sounds overwhelming. But when you really study different worldviews, you start to see that there are certain challenges that come in bundles from a specific worldview. So if you study the nature of an atheistic worldview and the logical implications of atheism, you're going to see that there are maybe 10 major challenges that come from atheists. I mean, you could list them off forever, but they all kind of group around and they're like arrows. It's like a bundle of arrows that are going to come from atheists. If you study progressive Christian, you're going to see their own bundle of arrows that they're going to shoot over at Christians who hold to the historic Christian faith. So it helps you to really gather and organize your thoughts about all these challenges. It's no longer like picking a thousand challenges off of a tree. Now it's, okay, well, here's what people with an atheistic worldview are going to say. Here's what people coming from a Mormon worldview are going to say. And so it helps you to answer the challenges. And that's the fourth component is answering challenges. We want to give them good answers to the challenges that they're going to hear so that they hear them from us first and they work through those with us first, rather than just shipping them out into the world and hoping that they're going to find good answers. So what Christianity teaches or what the Bible teaches specifically, why you should believe it, what others believe in answering challenges. For me, those are the four core components of a knowledge base that kids really need as they grow up, if they're going to be prepared for today's world. And I like when you talked about convictions, you can believe in many things, but what is your conviction? Why do you believe what you believe? What what is your conviction? And uh, Greg Kolkel in previous interviews talked about that as well. I just love everything you've done. Again, I'm so happy you're on the show. And is there anything else you'd like to add? I would just encourage parents because it does, it does sound like a lot, right? You know, let's have all of these things. And they're probably parents listening going, well, you know, I'm missing this component or that component. Just take one step at a time and teach your kids as you're learning too. And if you've never done anything like this with your kids and it's new for your family, just acknowledge that with them. They could be 13, 14 years old already. Maybe they're even older than that. And you say, you know what? One area I wish I had done better in as a parent to date is to have deeper faith conversations with you. So we're going to resolve that. And we're going to have more of these conversations. And maybe you set aside a specific time, whatever works in your family that you're going to do this, but just tell them, hey, this needs to change. So it's not something super weird, like out of nowhere, like, Hey, let's talk about the evidence for God's existence today. Like, <laughs> that, that just, it, you know, and they it run away kind of awkward or weird or something. But if you're just honest with them about what you're realizing, I, I like a lot of kids are going to respond better to that. And so there are all kinds of things that you can do, but really the focus is on getting equipped yourself because as much as you might hear all this and go, well, I still don't know, like how I would actually do that. Here's the thing. As soon as you start reading, listening, getting equipped, you will see the opportunities all the time. 
if you are overwhelmed by the thought of how I would do all this, it probably means you haven't started that process yet to get equipped. Because once you do, you have this little radar that goes up and you'll see shareables on social media where you're like, well, that's not really a Christian view, even though that's being shared by a Christian. And you'll see news articles that are written in a certain biased way that's against Christianity. And you can share that with your kids. You'll just see examples everywhere. You just have to make the commitment to get equipped first. This will all come along from there. Absolutely. Step out of the boat like Peter and and just have your faith in God and trust. Keep your eyes focused on him. Take one day at a time, one step at a time. Read one book at a time, one conversation. So ask God to guide you. Pray that earnestly that he teaches you so that you can teach your children so that we can change our culture so we can be warriors for Christ and our children could grow up to be strong warriors for Christ as well. Thank you, Natasha, for being on the show. We greatly appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. And this is how we all work together to raise strong Christian kids. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app.